Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor of Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. We are seven weeks into our study titled Jesus is Enough, and this morning we are 23 verses into our study, uh, into uh, the letter written by the Apostle Paul to the believers there in Colossae. As I speak today, Christians are suffering across the globe like never before in history. In fact, I read a review right now that said that more Christians have been martyred in the last 100 years than in the previous 1,900 years combined. While I speak, Christians in Afghanistan are on the run, many moving from place to place. They can't spend the night in the same house two nights in a row. It's too risky. All because they have decided to believe in and profess Jesus Christ as their Savior. And when captured, most are dragged outside and provided an opportunity to recant from their faith in Christ. But from what I'm reading and the information and sources I have, most are refusing to do so and are martyred right before their families. So how's your week going? Boy, after reading that and and studying this chapter, I've decided I need to do a lot less complaining in my life. And while we may not experience persecution to this extent, at least for now, uh, there's thousands and thousands of people experiencing it more and more here in our own country. I believe that oppression is coming and is now here. Two years ago, you would have called me melodramatic if I told you that we would be called out in public for resisting government mandates, wrapped up in condemning words and slogans. If you haven't already begun to listen, I've encouraged Debbie to listen to the words newscasters are all using. Seems like they're all being told the same little verbiage. Uh, Words like climate deniers, the rich oppressors, the right-wing radical Christians. They keep bringing in the word Christian into into the name, and this is all in a way to begin to shift away from our our, our, um, our moorings as a Christian nation, they're beginning more and more to blame the Christians for what's going on around them. This is what Hitler did uh, to desensitize the people to the Jews and to blame them. They call us constitutional racists. They're, they've come up with all new names, but the word Christian is more and more being brought to the front of those that are to be blamed. You Christians are becoming a real problem for the dark one. And as we continue to love God and love one another, uh, we're going to drive him nuts. Amen? Amen. Okay. And while I personally believe that time is running out, the sands through the hourglass are getting fewer and fewer, and we're coming down to the end, there's still time for us to work, and there's still a job for us to do. The number one question I'm asked is, Pastor, what, what do we do now? You know, people are watching the news and they're watching, you know, all these things on Facebook. We can now hear, learn of something that's happened two minutes ago when before it would take, you know, weeks or, or at least days to reach our ears. Now we're getting the whole world's problems in our ears every day. 
and Christians are beginning to panic. What do we do now? Listen, the mission hasn't changed. Love God, love people. We don't have to run around and panic right now. There's two things God told us to do, and nothing is going to change that all the way through. We're to remain faithful to him. We keep our eyes on Christ. We keep our ears open to the gospel, and we live obediently to both. That's what we're going to do. Today, I want to give you three biblical mandates on serving during these final times. And this is what we're called to do. We're called to serve in our suffering. Yes, we will experience suffering. Jesus Christ said we would. He said, when you're persecuted, he, he told us, hey, the, the, the slave is not greater than the master. They hated me first. They're going to hate you as well. But listen, I've overcome the world, so you just keep following me. That's what he said. So we're going to keep following him. But there are three biblical mandates in our, our scripture that we're going to read this morning. I want to begin with mandate number one. If you like to take notes, I encourage you to do so. You can flip your bulletin over and you can fill out the lines as we move forward. Mandate number one, serve Jesus sacrificially. Serve him sacrificially. In Colossians 1.24, Paul exhorts us to embrace suffering as an honor for the, for, for the Lord and Savior. Paul, you know, remember, he's writing from prison. He's in the bottom of the Mambertine prison. Debbie and I have gotten to stand there. What a place to be imprisoned. It's complete and utter darkness. They would drop food down to you. They would drop buckets for other purposes in a room half the size, maybe a third of the size of this room. There could be as many as 60 or 70 prisoners awaiting uh, their court date. So you can imagine what that was like. It's a horrific situation. The last thing you would think Paul would be writing would be love letters to the church. <laughs> Listen to his words here. He says, I now rejoice in my suffering for you. And fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Paul is saying, I'm suffering. Yes, I understand that. But when I hear about what you guys are doing out there and how you're growing in your faith, boy, I, I just get so excited. I get so happy. There's joy in that. And he rejoiced. Now, what does Paul mean when he says, I now rejoice in my suffering for you? Well, it's because Paul had led people to Christ and was training them up in their faith, i.e., he was reproducing himself in others that he was arrested and imprisoned for in the first place. Now, he had led believers to Christ. You know, many weeks ago, we talked about this in Ephesus. He had led people to Christ, and then he stopped. He paused right there for over a year, and he began to just disciple people right there in Ephesus. And so people, Christians, were, were getting saved right there, but then they were coming from other places because they heard the Apostle Paul was teaching and preaching and discipling new believers. And so men had come down from Colossae, which was just 100 miles inland from Ephesus, 
And, and, he, and they attended his Bible studies and they attended his classes and his courses and they learned about Christ. And they had gone back to Colossae and they had planted a church that Paul was unaware of at the time. But then somebody told him how awesome they were doing there and how they were growing. He began to hear of the believers there and he was so welled up with excitement that these guys that had gone back and planted this church that was alive and growing. He just couldn't stand it. He's in the middle of, you know, of, of a horrible situation. And yet he's crying out going, way to go, guys. Way to go. I rejoice for you. Keep growing. Keep on with your faith. Paul understood well what it meant to suffer for Christ. And, he, and uh, in so doing, his joy grew as he suffered. But he also knew that he was doing the work and the service that God had called him to complete. His well-known list of persecution and his trials, Paul wrote them down. Listen to what he, just a portion of what he went through. He lists them in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Here, here's some of them. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure. You know, stripes, you know, whippings. In prisons more frequently, in deaths often. He's in the middle of death a lot, although God preserved him. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. In fact, they left him for dead. They had stoned him with rocks, and, he, and they thought he was dead, and they, and they left him. And I think there's, uh, there's room in Scripture to say that he was dead, and that the Holy Spirit brought him back to life, breathed life into him, and regenerated him. And off he went again, like the Energizer Bunny. He was moving forward. He wasn't quitting. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep, out in the middle of the ocean, just dog paddling. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings, often in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. <laughs> Do you hear his heart? It breaks, but yet his, his desire is for the church. Paul breathed and lived for the church to encourage them to take the next step, to keep going. He said, hey, don't worry about me. Pray for me, but don't worry about me. God's got this. Now, you got to remember, he's awaiting Caesar's decision. Life or death was the only two. He was waiting to hear back on what Caesar is going to do with him. But he knows that his life isn't in Caesar's hands. It's in God's hands. And let me tell you something else. Your life is not in the willy-nilliness of this, you know, this COVID. God isn't surprised by that. Oops, I didn't know you were going to get COVID, so you died, and here you are in heaven. No, God has written eternity, and he knows the day that you're going to be born and the day that you're going to go to heaven, and there is nothing that is going to change that. I can tell you that. Now, we aren't going to go jump off bridges. Uh, we're not going to test God foolishly. 
We're going to do, try to be responsible here in the way that we carry out our service, but carry it out, we will. And so God is the one that will decide when you go home. Paul says, he's talking to these people. Now, they're being persecuted as well, the people that are receiving these letters. They're Christians living in a Roman world. He, says, he asks the question, who is weak? And I am not weak. Paul's saying, I'm a man too. I'm a, I have flesh. You know, I, there's nights probably that Paul, you know, wept. There's things that, that bothered him. He says, I, I, am I not weak as well? Who is made to stumble? I do, and do I not burn with indignation? He saw the wrongdoings. Does he not get upset with that and angry about what was happening? Sure. If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. Paul wasn't going to spend time saying, oh, and I, I, you know, I have this problem, and I've got gout in my feet, and oh, man, that last 40, your lashes really tore my back up. He didn't do that. He spent time not on that, but in boasting in the things that mattered. What things are these? Well, they were salvation. They were the gospel. They're spreading the good news. It was building uh, churches up and planting churches. It was taking uh, what he had learned from his time with Christ in the wilderness and sharing it with other people within the church so that they could grow and so that they could go beyond where Paul could reach and they could go and, and share the gospel with people. That's my desire. That's what drives me. That's what keeps me up late at night and gets me up early in the morning. I just want to share Christ. And I want you to hear it. And I want you to go out and tell other people that I'll never meet. I want you to go take this thing way beyond the borders of these walls here. How do we do that? We serve Jesus sacrificially with our lives. That's what we're going to do from here on all the way to heaven. Even when it requires a level of suffering on our part. And suffering is here. And we don't know when, you know, Gabriel's going to blow that horn, when God is going to call us home, when he's going to send Jesus in the clouds and we're going to be raptured back up to, up to heaven. We don't know when that's going to happen. We don't know how far into this suffering we'll, we'll get to experience. But I'm going to tell you, the way through this is to serve, is to love God and love people. You serve God and serve people. God hasn't written any one of us an excuse for him for serving. Oh, there's a virus out there. By all means, Ben, you just sit at home. Yeah. No, I haven't heard that one yet. Wait, Christians aren't popular right now. By all means, you get a pass. Listen, the God who didn't withhold his own son's suffering to the point that he sent him to be beaten and then crucified on a cross for your sins and mine is not going to give us a pass because Christians aren't popular right now. It's just not going to happen. This is the time when we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we stand up and we place our faith in Christ and we speak out for Christ in a world that hates him. In a world that will persecute us and make fun of us, we do it anyway. So pause and just think about it for a moment. How are you sacrificing your time, your talent, 
and your treasure right now. Because all you have is right now. You have today. No one is guaranteed tomorrow, Scripture says. You have today. Listen, God's given you a specific amount of time to live. He's given you your life that you live right now. How are you using it? You remember the servants, the three servants, and their master had given them a talent, a a, a coin, some coins. The one he gave one to, he buried it, didn't do anything with it. The next one turned his two and doubled it, and the next one doubled his. The master comes back, says, way to go, guys. You doubled it. Gets down to the guy with one talent and says, this is what I gave you. You're just... You're just giving it back to me? You didn't do anything with this? Boy, that's the last person I want to be when, you know, when it comes to meeting Christ. Man, I want to take what he's given me and multiplied it. He's given each one of us a specific amount of time in which to carry out the mission that he's given each one of us to carry out. Your talent, time, talent, treasure. Time, talent, your talents are the gifts that he's given you. You have gifts and talents specific to the mission that he's given you to carry out. He wouldn't ask you to do something and then not give you the talent and the gifts to, do, to carry it out. No, he's given you your gifts. You have gifts that I don't have. I have gifts you don't have. And so you have a mission that I don't have, and I have a mission that you don't have. So we're the body of Christ. Christ is the head of the church. We're all part of this body. It takes all of us to carry out this mission called the church and reaching people with with the gospel. I can't reach it the way you can, and you can't reach it the way I can. I don't know the people you know, and you don't know most of the people I know. God's called you to live right now at this time for this expressed purpose. How are you living out your time? Time, talent, treasure. God's given you treasure. God's allowed you to have that home where you live, that car that you own, that bank account didn't, you know, we like to say, well, I'm a self-made man. Really? Wait till God removes your health or something, then you find out you're not so self-made. It's by God's gifting that we have what we have. How are we using that to further and build the kingdom? Let me give you a few examples of how you can serve. Taking time out of a busy day to meet with someone, to disciple them and encourage them, is spending what? Your time. It's a sacrifice of time to do that. Our children and our youth leaders here that pour into our kids, the next generation below us, so that they might be raised up in the admonition of the word. They're spending their time, but they're also spending their talent, their gifts. They're gifted to do that. And so they're carrying that out. And it requires a sacrifice of time and talent. And the people that that give to the work of the Lord here, I tell you, this is the most giving church I've ever been to. You guys are amazing on every level. I mean, you know, it's easy to say, yeah, you give money. And, and that's, yeah, yes, that, that's important. The treasure part of that 
is important. But I'm telling you, there are people here sharing their homes. There are people here sharing their cars. There are people here that are helping others that are sick right now and can't get to the grocery store. There are people that, that are using what God has given and trusted to them to use a portion of it to help others around them that are suffering right now. We're responsible for how we handle all three areas of our sacrificial giving. I could go on, but I think you get the picture. Serving Jesus requires a sacrifice to some extent, or it's not real service. And you servants serving the Lord, remember that serving God will have moments of sacrificial giving on your part, or it's not real service. Sacrificial service, by definition, must cost you something. Listen, my friends, Jesus is coming back very soon. The time to serve him is right now. Listen, the time, talent, and treasure, the service, you know, you can't do that once you get to heaven. It's all believers up there, and God's got an amazing thing after this life. But right now, he's told us to do these things. And you don't want him to call you home without having done what he's told you to do. I sure don't. Not out of fear, but I just don't want to disappoint him. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. All right. I don't want to show up and, you know, as an also ran. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, you, you received um, my, my grace. Come on into heaven. Welcome. No, I, I don't want to do that. I want to show up, and I say this probably too often, I want to show up like that guy that played, right? The football player. We played football in high school. The worst thing that could happen is you go home on the bus, and your uniform is pristine. There's no you know, dents in your helmet. There's no scratches anywhere on you. No, the cool guys had blood running down their arms, and their helmets are all messed up. They're dirty. They had mud, you know. That was, that's, I want to go home like that. I want to go home having left everything I could do on this planet before I met Christ. And I know you do too, or you wouldn't be here. The time to make investments in heaven is right now, right now. Sometimes I'm asked how a person here at RCC can serve. Okay, I get it, pastor. I'm supposed to serve. You say I'm supposed to use my, my, my gifts. How do I do this? Well, let me tell you. Next Sunday at 9 a.m., we're doing what's called Shop Talk. Now, a lot of you have been to Shop Talk, but here's what, if you haven't been, here's what it is. Shop Talk is where you learn about how the church got planted, how, how God put in the hearts of people to rise up, raise up a church, where we are right now, and where we believe God is leading us in the near future. You're going to hear all of that. And then after that, you're going to have the opportunity to take the gifts test. And you'll do that on your own, and then um, someone will call you, and you'll be able to understand what it is. Well, I'm, I have, I'm really strong in these two, and I'm kind of strong in this one, but I'm not so strong in the rest of them. Okay, so you're gifted in these three. Here they are, and someone will explain how you use those gifts to glorify God. So no more, can, you know, we're not to live in ignorance, right? We're not to be babies drinking milk all the way to heaven. No, we're to, Paul says, hey, you got to start eating meat. you got to start growing up and being who God's called you to be so that you can help others become who they are. So that's a plug for shop talk. I better not go down that road any further. I'll make a U-turn and come back to our lesson. Today we're looking at three biblical mandates on serving during these final days. 
Mandate number one, serve Jesus sacrificially. And mandate number two, serve Jesus purposefully. The purpose of every believer since the cross of Christ has been the same, to know God and to make him known. So how do we do that? Well, first, we have to know God. You you can't impart what you don't possess. So I have to know God for myself. And and in so doing, I, I get to receive the gift of the gospel, of salvation, But then after that, I also want to know God. I want to know who he is. I want to know what he wants from me. I want him to, I want to know how I can please him and honor him and serve him. So I want to know God, but then I want to make him known. I want to go outside and start telling other people, Hey, this is what God's done for me. Jesus Christ saved me. I want to be able to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Like the, the old song says. I want to have done what he wants me to do, so I want to be out doing it. Not just talking about it, but doing it. Simply put, our purpose is to spread the gospel, the good news to others around us. Paul writes in verse 25 through 27, look down at at your Bibles, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you. Now what was that stewardship? His stewardship was to be a teacher, to be a preacher, to go around and tell people the good news. But it was also to reveal many things that the the Jews and the Gentiles didn't understand or know. He says, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.